welcome to Graphic Policy Radio. This is a comics podcast. This is your host, Elana Levin, known on Twitter as Elana Brooklyn. And this is the comics podcast for people who wonder if the Daily Planet's Perry White should take over as editor of the New York Times at this point. What with all that David Brooks, Brett Stevens, and Trump unites a nation in healing type headlines. And certainly do a better job than J. Jonah Jameson would. Joining me tonight is award-winning cartoonist and returning guest, Steve Lieber. Steve's comics have been published by DC, Marvel, Dark Horse, Image, Valiant, and many others. He's best known for his work on the Eisner-winning White Out, a graphic novel adapted by Warner Brothers as a feature film, and for Superior Foes of Spider-Man, an Eisner-nominated cult favorite published by Marvel. His comic The Fix was nominated was named Best New Comic of the Year by IGN, and he's currently drawing Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen for DC Comics. Steve is also a founding member of Heliscope, the largest studio of comic book artists in North America. He lives in Portland, Oregon. Welcome back to the show, Steve. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was so excited. As soon as I heard the title of your new comic announced, I like reached out to you and said, I know this is going to be amazing. And dear listeners, it is. And dear listeners, if you have not heard about it yet, you're about to understand why. Because it is Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, writer Matt Fraction, artist Steve Lieber, colorist Nathan Fairbain, letterer Clayton Cowles. Um, I, I had a review that I wrote about it. I, I was on vacation and I was not planning on writing a review of this or anything else because I was on vacation. And I'm on the plane and this review just sort of wrote itself because I had so much enthusiasm for the comic. Um, but this is my opening paragraph about it that was in Comic Speed. I said, uh, great things usually come from weird places. For example, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Jack Kirby's groundbreaking fourth world saga began in Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, 133. And while this new limited series may not be spinning off a fifth world for DC Comics, Steve Lieber and his Matt Fraction, Nathan Fairbain, and Clayton Cowles series is a delightfully out there comic doing justice to its wild, wonderful, and storied heritage. Lieber is one of the greatest humorists working in comic books today. That talent is in every visual aspect of the comic. So thank you for joining us today. Oh, this is great. Thank you. It's hugely flattering, too. And it's so real. I, yeah. So like, this really was one of my most anticipated things to check out. I, um, you know, I I'm not a big Superman person per se, of, but I I feel like most of the, my fond memories of Superman that uh, other than like whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, which was freaking amazing. But like a lot of this is just like, yeah, Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, Jack Kirby comics, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So that is, that is what I was here for. And this particular team, um, how, how did this come together? How did you and Matt begin your team up? Um, Matt reached out to me. Um, he'd been talking to DC for a little while about, about doing a Jimmy Olsen comic. Uh, I think that happened. Uh, uh, he may have been recruited by Brian Bendis, um, I know he, he that he and Brian had had just been tossing ideas around uh, more for just their own amusement than than for actually pitching anything, and just just through conversation, Matt's ideas for a Jimmy Olsen comic emerged organically, and uh, it, and uh, I, Matt had hadn't done mainstream comics for years. I think that the last thing he had done was was wrapping up Hawkeye at Marvel several years ago. Um, but yeah, he and Brian. I think, I think FF was after that, maybe like the FF series. Oh, could be. I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, and yeah, FF with the Alreds. Okay. It's like my favorite. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, and 
<laughs> Brian managed to convince him that you know, come on in, the water's fine. Um, and uh, uh, then they went looking for, for somebody who, who had comedy chops because obviously humor was going to be a, a big part of this title. And uh, I think that's, mm -hmm. that's where I came in. Matt and I have been talking for years about, about doing something. We, we've got uh, other ideas that we've, we've banged around, uh, a soap opera thing that we're both interested in maybe doing someday. Um, but the idea of doing this was just irresistible. Um, from, yeah, what is, oh, sorry. Go ahead. A, a soap opera comic? Mm -hmm. Like Mary Worth? Or like... Um, a, 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 more like Mad Men, an adult soap opera. Ah... Um, it, it, it's, yeah, uh, but it, it's, it's back burner. It, it would take a lot of research to, to get the setting correct and all that. It, it, it's something I've wanted to do for, for years. I love soap opera material. My, some of my favorite comics are things like, um, uh, Mary Perkins on stage, which is, uh, an old newspaper comic strip set, set in the world of Broadway. Um, yeah. uh, it, the, the 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 intimate soap opera is a great genre in comics, uh, and it's uh, mostly ignored. Uh, the, the, one of these days, I'll, I'll I'll dip my toe back in. I'm so there for it, um, and I definitely see how your style would work really well for that kind of story too. But um, but yeah, so you guys were coming together for Superman's Pal. Uh, and this this is just a dream. I mean, uh, I didn't have a lot of comics when I was when I was a kid. Uh, I, the ones I had, I read obsessively over and over and over again. Um, but I wasn't allowed to buy new comics. It was just whatever I could get at flea markets or garage sales, uh, or uh, or a junk shop near my house that sold the comics that were supposed to have been destroyed and, and said to be pulped. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was my main source of comics was. Comics with the covers ripped off that were that, that were supposed to have just been chucked in the recycler. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, but one thing I did have. Comics. Yeah, yeah, uh, and it, uh, and it, getting comics that way meant that I never got the end of a lot of stories. Uh, you know, everything was was a two and three parter in those days. Uh, but right. but you, I couldn't go go back next month because I what I got was what didn't sell or what fell off the truck. Uh, so I spent a lot of time reading half of a story or a third of a story and then just having to make up the other parts on my own, which is probably one of the reasons I wound up doing this for a living. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And just in case you weren't sure, Jean Grey does come back. Oh, sweet. Oh, man, i got to pick that up yes. someday. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but one of, the, one of the comics that I did have that I, I still own a copy of and have read to death uh, was this Beautiful hardback called uh, Superman from the 30s to the 70s, uh, big phone book sized thing um, that reprinted like 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 the cover says Superman comics from from his very beginning in the, in the late 30s up until the early 1970s. Uh, so I was seeing all of these different phases of the character's development and all the all the different weird periods of of of, of what they were doing with the character. Um, and I pro so I probably read more of that, more of of, of more Superman than any other comic that was out there, just because that that's what I had, that's what I had access to. Um, so all these things are just imprinted in my mind, um, and it was such a thrill knowing that I, I 
and get to dive to dive back in and and, and wallow around in in, in that world. Um, one of the things that I really love about those comics is that they created their own <laughs> hermetically sealed world that that worked by entirely it, it, its own rules and its, its own uh, strange uh, customs. Uh, it was it, 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 it was almost completely abstract. Uh, I didn't have those words when I was a kid, but but I it, now I now I'm able to see it for for what it was, uh, and I really looked forward to to doing that uh, with Matt. It's creating a comic that, while it is uh, set in the DC universe, is its own self-contained world and, and operates by a logic that's entirely its own. Hmm. Well, you definitely have this uh, metropolis history that you're building out in this that I was not expecting. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think uh, some of that is, is uh, Matt just had, uh, I don't want to give away too much, but uh, he, he has, uh, he, he has a, a very large backstory that will, be, that will be slowly revealed throughout the series. Um, and uh, I love doing period stuff. I, I, uh, some of my very first comics were, yeah. were period things, and uh, it, it's it's not something you get to do too often in contemporary mainstream comics. I I love it. Um, you know, the for me the, for me there's I, maybe it's just a Superman thing, but I just feel like I don't have as much history of the world building of Metropolis, and because of the real world socio political implications of it, as this like midwestern influenced sort of. I idyllic city of the future like there's so much interesting material that could be had there um and i, I love situating it with uh it being you know uh, a gold a gold rush or yeah i mean basically it's a gold rush town yeah. i guess yeah and i don't know enough about superman to know if that's always been true but uh but i i i'm really enjoying that that uh the the world building and of the past of this, especially the way it prefigures what's happening in the stories now. Oh yeah, um, and we get to we 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 get to play a lot with that throughout the series, um, and I, yeah, I, I never have any idea whether uh, whether other people working in the DC universe will pick up on these things, or wh whether whether it will become whether it will be firmly enmeshed in the lore or. Um, Something that they that that <laughs> future creators will draw a curtain over and, and never mention again, um, mm -hmm. but uh, it, it's fascinating to me being part of a giant communal communally told story. Um, uh, it's it, it's a different way of co making comics than than the one I'm really used to. I've, I've done plenty of mainstream comics, but I'm, uh, I've rarely contributed to to the world building um, aspect mm. of it usually I've, I've just kind of dealt with small self-contained stories or things that didn't have right. much of an implication for for you know for the entire world that they're creating um, Matt swings for the fences with this stuff um, and it it's so good I can't imagine it you know, his contributions not being uh, a firm part of, of, of the the world's future, um, but uh, uh, I never know how these decisions get made, or uh, uh, or 
you know, how much is topped out and how much just grows organically from other creators being interested in what they've seen somebody else do. Uh, it, it, it's, it's a mysterious process. Well, I mean, with world building, you know, this sort of came, the, the preview comic in the Leviathan special, mm -hmm. which I basically grabbed just because I wanted to see Jimmy Olsen fight a space cat um, <laughs> and lose. Yes, uh, well, um, he didn't stand a chance. He's, 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 he's Superman's pal. He's not Superman. Is that, is that, but that's not Dexstar, is it? That's it is. That's a different space cat? No, that, that's Dexstar. Oh, it is Dexstar. Yeah. Okay, that's... I was just about to, I was really going to be concerned about the cat's medical well-being, but now that I know that, I, that throwing up red force field things at people is part of its natural, like, I feel a lot better about the cat now. And, and, I mean, um, yeah, Dexter is a red lantern yeah. and a cat. He's a house cat slash red lantern, and he can definitely take down Jimmy Olsen, Yeah, really anyone. Yeah, I mean, my own cat's behavior is similar, so it... it uh, I've, I've had the experience with a bunch of, of mainstream comics I've done that have just accidentally turned out to be autobiographical. You know, things that I wasn't writing, that yeah. I'm just, just, a, just a script that arrived in my inbox and uh, just just through the, through the magic of the world being weird turned out to be wildly autobiographical. And this is definitely one because I've had days like that with my own cat. Well, I also appreciate you getting Jimmy Olsen laid. I feel like... <laughs> The, the 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 comic script history feels like it has this narrow notion of like who gets to do what and in what kind of stories and I like breaking through that because actually all different kinds of people have all different kinds of stories about things that they do. Oh yeah, and um, yeah. Well, uh, Jimmy's he's he, he's a good-looking young man com coming from a privileged background. He's probably going to have some opportunity. You know, International cat burglarist sort of dalliances, etc. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Matt's definitely writing him uh, as as a weird experience magnet. Um, so yes, <laughs> like he's is like no, there is nobody in fiction who is more of a weird experience magnet than him that I can think of. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it it yeah. To give him a, a conventional life would be the, the ultimate betrayal of the character. Uh, and, uh, any, in, in, any, in any circumstance, the weirdest possible thing that could happen to a person is what's going to happen to Jimmy. You, you, you don't mean getting turned into a giant turtle? That, that, yeah, we, we, we had to, we had to, to, to tip our hat to that uh, by page five of our comic. Um, yeah, I feel like that's not a spoiler at this point. Also, like there's like a there's like a Jimmy uh, turtle head on the cover of this yeah. issue. Yeah, um, I love the cover, by the way. Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> Thank you. Um, I enjoy sort of chatty covers, and I enjoy like how layered with references to past Jimmy stories. This this cover is. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and. Uh, Matt's uh, been doing a wonderful thing uh, when he signs that cover. Um, he he brings a uh, a sheet full of, of word balloon stickers uh, and lays a sticker over the word balloon and writes writes custom dialogue for everybody uh, for, for for Jimmy for everybody he signs it wow. for. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every every single one of those is, is a, a limited edition of one. 
Wow. Uh, you should do that too. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> that's really fun. Yeah. And you and you have him in the uh, in the bow tie on the cover. Actually, that's one of the things I wanted to talk with you. So you you're using the bow tie as an icon in the corner of the pages of the series, like the way somebody else would have like the Batman logo, like yeah. the bow tie logo. And he's not wearing the bow tie in every page because people don't like literally wear the same outfit every day. But they are all highly uh, highly Jimmy outfits, like. I think like Jimmy's style signified a particular kind of thing when he was first created and then they didn't really change his look. So then he got to be read as nerdy and now Jimmy's fashion is in fashion again. So like you're kind of going through the whole life cycle. It's of, like the sweater vest. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm lucky to be friends with a, a wonderful person who, who has been dressing like Jimmy Olsen for years. Um, <laughs> it's uh and uh, I can it, it, it it's uh, oh uh, my lawyer actually uh, and I can I can look at uh, at what she's wearing on any given day and it's remarkably Jimmy, um, <laughs> and so I yeah, so I've 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 got this friend who's who's just a wonderful library of of, of fashion possibilities that, um, that I can decide. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, but but I I do try to try to change him up, and I don't use the the the, the jacket and, and bow tie as a uniform. Um, uh, I, I, I yeah, he, he definitely changes that every day. I'm not sure if he changes his socks. I think the the, the checkered socks are <laughs> are a motif that's gonna that's gonna stay throughout, or maybe he's just got an entire drawer full of them. Um, I would do that. Yeah, but like if if but like, do you feel like? I don't know if this, it, this this I feel like there's something particularly timely about this comic and Jimmy Olsen here. Like, you have this character whose style is like finally in fashion again, and his particular brand of experience, Gonzo journalism, is like the only way people in journalism are making a living. Yeah. So it's all very of this moment. Very much so, and um, and 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 Jim, Jimmy's whole world of viral video. Uh, is is as <laughs> it's, it's as contemporary as you can get. Uh, I, I I love Matt's notion that 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 the DC universe is a world where where the pivot to video could actually be successful. Um, <laughs> and and yeah. it should be able to be, damn it. Yeah. Um, and and I like that that he's the only part of the planet that's currently profitable, which is just heartbreaking. But again, yeah, true true to our times. Um, yeah. Uh, and it uh, it it's given it, it's given us some. I, 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 there's so much stuff I, that I, that I, I keep stopping myself from talking about because I've drawn it, but that issue's not out yet, so I can't I can't talk about it too much. Um, it uh, it it gets it gives us a lot of opportunities to play with the DC universe as as Jimmy goes out and does his strange bits of filming. Yeah. Got, I've got to, it, yeah, I've gotten to draw a lot of characters I didn't expect to draw in the course of a Jimmy Olsen comic. Like Metamorpho. Yeah. Um, How much fun is he? Oh, you would. You should have a Metamorpho series. That's your next project. I, I, yeah, I would. I would. He'd be a lot of fun to draw. That, that whole that whole series concept was so strange and Freudian. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 weird competition with 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 uh, his his 
girlfriend's dad, um, and the dad having you know, having a, a, a bodyguard slash major Dobo who's who's a literal caveman. It it it, it all felt like it was it was just boiling up out of this weird Freudian backwater. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, 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 it's hard to imagine what the pitch for that looked like. Oh, here's the here's the idea. You know, I, 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 I have no idea how these things got sold. But it's just pure Silver Age madness. Yeah, in like the greatest way. Yeah, um, I. What what few stories I've ever heard about uh, about what life was like in. Uh, in the industry in those days, it, it it's it sounds like madness. But of course, I I think people would say the same about about how we work today. Uh, no one would ever believe how uh, incredibly off the cuff and unprofessional these things done for you know for you know, Fortune one hundred corporations actually are. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember, it feels that way for me in terms of political stuff. Oh, so absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. I remember uh, years ago there was an incident where uh, a Marvel artist had was doing this giant poster for uh, just with with dozens and dozens of Marvel characters, um, and uh, he, of course, the editors didn't give him any kind of. Um, any kind of reference for these things, they just gave him a list of characters and told him to go Google them. Um, so he uh, he Googled them, and, and as I recall, English he's, he wasn't an English he wasn't an artist who's, who spoke English as his first language. Um, mm-hmm. So he just found reference for a bunch of these characters on, on Google. One of which turned out was a fan redesign of the character, rather than the, rather than any official look for the character. Um, oh, no. And the, the the fan found it and was you know Marvel Comics is ripping me off etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, and I I saw a, a lengthy essay from somebody saying there's no way Marvel didn't 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 know they were doing this because they have they have elaborate databases and n- nobody could ever work for a company like that without getting official model sheets and and approved designs for everything and in. 20 years of, of working at, in mainstream comics, I think the number of times I've ever gotten a model sheet or a turnaround for a character is uh, zero. <laughs> yeah, it, Jesus. yeah you, 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 you get the first three results of a Google search, or prior to that, you, get, uh, you would get just yeah. Xeroxes of the last three times the character appeared. Um, the first time I ever drew Jimmy um, was like 2001, and I, I, I asked for a reference for what does the character currently look like because I wanted to to match whatever the, the current folks are doing and they sent me uh, one headshot from a manga style artist one person who was drawing who was doing like the, the Superman the animated series book um, mm-hmm. and a Kurt Swan head um, thanks guys <laughs> yep yep well, they, done it without you. yeah there, there, there you go so um I used to find that kind of thing really stressful until I realized, no, that means do what you want. It, it doesn't mean yeah, that, there, yeah. that there's a right way you have to you have to interpret from 
for, from all, you know, from these 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 three hidden Talmudic clues, you you, you it's just <laughs> do what you like. Yeah, I mean, but and, you know, but you always have such character on the in your characters, and um, like the sort of acting, as it were, is 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 so much of so much of it. I mean, who who, who were your your um, touch points, I guess, for this particular iteration of Jimmy? Um, the, the the main artists I think about these days uh, are are really the people who worked on the character previously. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm thinking about Wes Anderson a lot, um, and, and mm. that, something in that mannered quality to it. Um, a lot of the oh, that's the, interesting. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the timing and uh, and the way the gags are staged is, uh, comes from John Stanley's Little Lulu comics. Um, oh, uh, the uh, my. My Clark Kent is is very excuse me, very George Reeves. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 see yeah, that. I never thought of him as a very good Superman, but I loved his Clark Kent, which is a, a weird distinction to make, I guess. But he, he was perfect as that. Um, yeah. my, my super, the Superman. There's 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 a lot of a lot of Kurt Swans, uh, but. But Kurtz, the the, the the '60s and '70s Superman, he always felt like like he was pushing forty, um, mm -hmm. and I'm I'm drawing him. Yeah. I'm definitely drawing him younger than that. Um, and, but I don't think there's. I don't really. I, I rarely actually think of an artist uh, of any other artists when I'm when I'm when I'm drawing the the, the cast. It's. Um, I suppose I've read so many stories about these characters over the years in so many different media that that somewhere my, my brain has constructed a platonic ideal of who they all are, and I'm, I'm sure. yeah I'm, I'm I'm just just feeling my way around that until uh, until I, I I get there and say yes that's 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 who he is that's who she is. Um, with the with the pacing, like that, your 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 gag in issue one with Superman winking at the camera, and then that winking in the camera continuing over across a page break, and the editor of the paper is just like, "Hello, <laughs> hello there, Earth to Superman." I've freaking died. And if that's the sort of pacing that you get from Little Lulu, then maybe I should finally read the stuff. The the John Stanley Little Lulus. There's a ton of them reprinted from Dark Horse and, and current and recent editions. They are brilliant. They're still funny. They they feel they feel more more contemporary than than most contemporary comics. Uh, I mean, even though the world is working on it, it its own entirely self-contained rules, uh, they're they're golden. They're they're funny. Uh, they're they're weird. They're, uh, and his his page construction and his gag construction is just impeccable. Um, mm. I, you know, I I I can't sing the guy's praises enough. Um, and and once you you read it, you, you start to you can start to feel his influence uh, and where it came through in other people. Like I I I, now, I see a ton of his stuff in Jaime Hernandez now. Um, oh, uh, which you know, I mean I yeah. 
I, the influences I, I've, I've loved Jaime for years, and he's, he's always an important influence on me. Um, but I, yeah, it used to be I'd look at him and I'd say, okay, there's, there's you know, Dan DiCarlo and Dennis the Menace, but now I really see a lot of, a lot of John Stanley in there. Oh, interesting. Well, I definitely like, when I think about like the stuff that you really excel at, it's this, this, the comic timing and the way it works with the paneling. And, um, you know, definitely something from this series that also was true in The Fix and also was true in Superior Foes is like you just have these amazing like six panel, here's some stuff that actually happened, can you believe it? Like visual gags just lined up, lined up, joke after joke after joke after joke where they all actually land and have an impact. And they all have different like layers of other referentiality that makes them even funnier. Of course, you have to have gorillas in a DC comic. Like if there aren't gorillas, then how do we know that it's published by DC Comics? Yeah, I love doing that stuff, and I and I love I love the 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 dead's page where every panel is its own gag. Um, I feel like it adds a lot to a comic. Uh, it it expands the whole world of the comic and the world of the, the possibilities that can happen within the pages. Uh, in, in one of those six panel pages, of Jimmy, uh, we can give this giant this giant chunk of other lives that the character has led, um, and uh, and do it with and do, do it without stu- without slowing down the momentum of the story we're telling that and that that's that's hugely important too um and uh and i love the discipline of of making a whole bunch of panels each their own self-contained gag uh nick spencer and i did a lot of that in the fix and and in superior foes um and uh it's it, it's a challenge to make to make an interesting page out of that, and to and you know to you know, to, to make a, every single panel establish its own setting, um, uh, you know, set up the gag, pay off the gag all in one space. It, it's a, it's a it's a great technical challenge, um, and I and I really like doing it because. When I started doing it, I had no idea if I could. Um, I, I've, I've said before, I, I spent more than two decades as the place where where, where comedy went to die. Uh, I, you know, I I just never got hired to do anything that was was funny or uh, or lighthearted. I I, I think I, I had like a three year stretch where I worked on five different comics that involved characters in prison. Um, Oh wow! Yeah, I was. That that was that was uh, how I was typecast. I was the 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 guys behind bars, you know, comic. You you want heavy shadows cast upon depressed people? You know, go to Lieber. Um, Wow. Yeah, and um, this this switch I got to make to to humor. It's it it's changed my career. It's changed how I draw. Uh, it, it's it, it's it's given me a whole second act, the the, the kind that, that Fitzgerald said we're not supposed to get. Um, mm. Yeah, and, and I, and looking back, I can largely attribute that to to, to Matt Fraction because uh, it was the the ten the 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 Hawkeye story that I did with him in as a as a a, a fill in in the middle of. of 
David David Aja's run. Uh, mm-hmm. That's it was the the place that that showed Marvel that I could I could do humor. Uh, and, 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 oh and, wow! Yeah, okay. so it was it was it was that that Hawkeye ten pager that led to them them bringing me aboard for Superior Foes. Yeah. Oh wow. I'm so glad because, like, I just think that the standards for what counts as good humorous art are kind of low right now. I think people let the dialogue carry a lot of it and don't end up. And I don't know if it's because of the way the teams are set up, but like, I don't think that there's a lot of space where the art seems like an afterthought to it, or everything is like literally just broad and very one note. Um, And I just, you know, it's making me like think about like how many other places I think it's it's been missing where we really could have seen it before. Um, and trying to think about like which comics that are ones that are not sold as comedy comics but had things in them that were particularly funny. And oftentimes that art was almost at odds with what else was going on because they didn't really know how to do both of those things at the same time. It, it's weird. It's it's a, an entirely separate discipline. And very, it's, it, it can be really at odds with... Um, with what 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 people t- in mainstream comics tend to be hired for, um, one of the first things that I had to reconcile my, myself to when doing humor is uh, you have to do you frequently have to do a really boring layout. Um, what's considered uh, an exciting dynamic page or layout will kill a joke ninety percent of the time. It, it'll telegraph the ending. It will. It, it will shout the ending into the microphone when it needs to be delivered dryly. Um, it will call attention to spectacle rather than to the, to absurdity. Um, and, and and for the most part, it's a very common thing for freelancers uh, to have to treat one job as auditioning for another, um, mm-hmm. it, rather than being able, rather than feeling safe to. Uh, tell the story that they're telling at the time as effectively as possible. They have to create every page as if they're auditioning for the next thing they're going to be hired for. Uh, and that means being as flashy and impressive as possible. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to be in a position where I was able to to, to just serve the story and not worry about whether or not the the page was exciting on a flip through um, and and I'm wired for that uh, I yeah, <laughs> three years at the Joe Kubert school with with Joe wrapping his knuckles on, on the top of my skull uh, <laughs> telling me to you know, to think about the story you're telling uh, really put me in a place to do that well, you're someone who's been very generous with your wisdom online. Like, I see you doing artist how-tos on Twitter uh, at, a, at a really significant depth. And um, and it's interesting because like, I think a lot of that, when people do that online, when I see younger folks doing it, it's like a lot of these, um, I don't watch it because I don't do that sort of thing, but like it's like a draw along or like they're like live casting what they're sketching. And, and you're doing sort of more of a, like, we're going to break this down. I'm going to give you a narrative. I'm going to write about this and sort of show you how I worked through it. And I think it's amazing. You should get, like, they should have you do a book or something. I, I actually did a book years ago. It, uh, um, it's got the worst title in the world. And it was kind of 
edited out of <laughs> out of usefulness. Um, but I, I did one of the complete idiots guides. Uh, you know, those those things that there's a million of. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's uh, how I learned HTML. There you go. And and th those those books in the format they were written in were perfect for for learning programming or something or something like that. Um, for comics, uh, everything had to be every single every individual topic had to be resolved in five pages or less. Um, so you, we couldn't really go into depth uh, all that well for any one thing. Um, but there's there's uh, the one I did, the complete guide to creating a graphic novel, is it's still floating around out there. You can probably find. Oh wow! Yeah, you can probably find one at, at your local used bookstore for under three dollars. Um, well, that explains why you're good at that. Yeah, <laughs> you've it, actually done that. Yeah, well, I, I've uh, there's a couple things that that contribute to to me being liking teaching and being good at teaching. Number one, I wasn't a natural. I was obsessed about comics, but I was never. Uh, yeah, I was not a natural artist by any stretch of the imagination. I, 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 everything I know I had to acquire just by by screwing it up every possible way and figuring out, <laughs> well, I've, I've tried a thousand ways that don't work, but yeah, here's one that does, nifty. Um, so uh, I know all the, all the bad choices that a young artist can make uh, because I made them. And I uh, and I know the cul-de-sacs that that weird aesthetic options can take you down because I went down those <laughs> those one-way streets. Um, so I'm I'm pretty good at, at at figuring out how to figure things out and, and articulating it because I, I I had to fight my way there. Um, that's one. Number two, uh, I think yeah I think I was just wired to be. Uh, didactic and mouthy about about stuff, uh, and <laughs> only now that I actually have, have acquired some knowledge to back it up, uh, is it, does it actually come across well? I, but I probably would have been uh, a, a talkative know-it-all long before I had any authority or, or the ability to actually communicate anything worthwhile. Well, needless to say, I definitely think you have had a Twitter account that artists should be following to like learn how to do stuff. For real, so. Oh, thank you. Very much. That is. Uh, get on that. Yeah, Steve underscore Lieber at Twitter, uh, and uh, another one. If, if anyone, if anyone listening is, is interested in that, is interested in that, uh, my studio mate Jesse Ham is also a spectacularly gifted teacher, uh, and mm. terrific at articulating principles about 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 art, about craft, and about business, which. Three very separate elements, all of which you kind of have to uh, have a feel for if you're going to do this. Um, and he's Ham Tips, H A M M underscore T I P S. Um, and I, awesome. Yeah, he throws out gold every day. Well, I, I do want to come back to the comic, but while we're talking about it, like you have a studio that mm -hmm. you run, Helioscope Studios. So tell me about like how that, what that is, and how that works. It is. I guess the 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 right designation for it is a co-working space. Um, it's a uh, it, it's a, a bunch of a tent of rooms in it in a U-shaped chain in a downtown office building in Portland, Oregon, shared by um, currently thirty comics artists. 
there aren't usually 30 wow. people. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big membership. Uh, there aren't usually 30 people in there on any given day. Um, usually it's 12 or 13 people. Um, but uh, comics artists have a tendency to work in rooms by themselves for decades and slowly go mad. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they... And it's bad for freelancers to be isolated. It's it's bad psychologically. It's bad creatively, uh, and it's bad from a business standpoint. Um, by you know, by getting a whole bunch of artists working next to each other, we uh, we 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 cross pollinate uh, creative ideas. We share information about the business. Um, we we give each other reality checks so that if uh, if someone's being treated poorly by a company, uh, we check with them, wait, is, is this as bad as it sounds? Yes, that's every bit as bad as it sounds. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, and just, it, it's wonderful to, you know, you know, to be able to look up from, uh, after a couple of intense hours of, of just staring at a Cintiq screen or a piece of paper, to, to get up and walk around and see what somebody else is doing to uh, yeah you know, to, to, <laughs> to to look over somebody's shoulder when they're reading a nifty new comic and learn about it um, and just knowing that there's there's other artists around you who have your back it's, it's hugely important um, comics as you know is uh, as has had a very very tough time ever trying to get any kind of guild or union going um, and uh, until that happens, informal associations like this are are really useful way for for freelancers to to, to have each other's back to you know to, to, to help mm -hmm. each other out in, in, in all the different ways that they have to. And it also seems like you're a space where you're mentoring young talent, you know, helping more folks come into the industry. And that's that's huge. Yeah, the the current mentees at our at our studio are I think number. 71 and 72 um wow yeah we've, we've been doing it i think since 2005 um and currently we bring in uh, two mentees at a time for for four month sessions and uh when we started it out it was an internship uh we've we no longer use that title and we know and the the nature of it's changed um it, uh, at, the, at the beginning, it was there was a, a, the interns were doing a lot of intern tasks, uh, scanning and running things to, to to FedEx and stuff like that, um, and we eliminated any kind of task requirement for it. Um, now, uh, it's, it's uh, they're more like artists and residents. Uh, they they come in, they work exclusively on their own projects, um, and. Uh, we give weekly mentorship lectures. Uh, somebody in the studio will it will sit down with them and give them an informal talk. Here's how I lay out a page. Here's how I read a contract. Uh, here's how I set up a convention table. You know, things like that. Um, and make themselves available so that uh, when one of the mentees is, is trying to solve a problem with, with some storytelling or uh, figure out a new computer program or something like that. There's somebody in the room who solved that problem and can mm -hmm. keep them from having to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, that's really helpful. 
And I know that I've seen different, you know, other artists' work coming in through your account too. I think uh, you were the first person to turn me on to Odd Cox drawings, and and then they did that amazing uh, spinoff issue of Wictiv last year, and just like knocked everybody's socks off. Stellar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Odd, yeah. actually pronounced Cook. Uh, so Odd, Cook, he, yeah, Odd Cook, like like a like a strange chef. Um, uh, yeah, she is. A stellar talent, unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah. She you know, she came into the the mentorship program already with uh, uh, a a really solid graphic voice and um, a, a great sense of 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 who she was and what and what her art was there to express. We've had a number of folks like that. Yeah, so with with some with some of the mentees, uh, it's about yeah, what we have to offer is 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 getting them from promising to professional, um, mm. uh, you're, you're helping them uh, get get rough spots out or or make their or make their presentation um, uh, more more polished. Um, uh, with others, it's it's more about just uh, helping with professional practices, uh, you know, giving them what we know about about networking and helping and helping them reach, uh, get their work in front of the right people. Um, yeah. It's you, you, with 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 everyone. It's different because you know, every young artist has has their own things that they're terrific at and their own things they just haven't got around to learning yet. Um, and, and that, that's a lot of fun. Um, the one of the tough tasks for any mentee is, or for any mentor, is figuring out uh, how to help the, how to help the young artist be a better version of themselves rather than mm. just be more like you. Right. Right. <laughs> well. And then conversely, I mean, has it been helpful for you? Like, you're writing Jimmy Olsen as, like, the ultimate millennial uh, character, really, here. Yeah. And has working with young folks been helpful for shaping that? Gosh. Uh, I think so. Um, although, uh, Jimmy is is such a strange animal, I, I would... <laughs> yeah, I would hesitate to... Uh, to, to liken him to to, to any of the, the the young artists coming through, um, oh uh, sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's usually valuable in every in every way just to you know to be working on a daily basis around talented people who are half my age. Um, <laughs> oh, that that's that's fantastic, and 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 to genuinely feel that 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 they're my peers. Right. It, it this again is another one of the advantages of working in a studio as opposed to 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 being in a room by myself. Um, yeah, I I can't imagine uh, what it what it takes for uh, an isolated artist uh, who's who's past the half century mark uh, to have any idea what what. What young people talk like, or move like, or dress like, or act like—that's—you'd yeah. uh, you'd almost have to be making it up. 
And so often they have, and it showed. This is, this and is sometimes true. Sometimes it was delightful, and sometimes it was terrible. Yeah. You know, like I think back about the whole like having was it from like Iceman, like Stanley wrote having Iceman shout "Yabo" in some panel. It was oh. not an actual piece of slang. This is something that Jay and Miles uncovered on their podcast. Oh, that's great. We're like, yeah, that's not actually a piece of slang used by people ever. But conversely, I mean, I loved Kirby doing his, you know, his all, writing all of his hippies in the, you know, in, in the fourth world. And I loved how he had Jimmy Olsen and Superman and, you know, conflicting over generation gap type stuff in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. So, I, but he was someone who was talking to young people. Yeah. And Jack had the advantage of, uh, of I think, every idea in his head being an explosion from the Almighty, rather than <laughs> rather than a reference to anything on Earth, yeah, uh, I I genuinely think that that there that that he mentally just had a pipeline to somewhere else that that ordinary mortals don't have access to. Um, you know, this the sort of thing that can normally only be achieved by just you know decade long course of psychedelics. Jack was just able to do entirely on his own. <laughs> Is was that run on Superman? Because like like I said, like for me that was a comparison I immediately saw. But is that was that a significant run on Superman's I, pal for for helping some of this? Or? I um, I had the uh, one of the Don Rickles issues as as a as a ten year old, and uh, oh. <laughs> and I read it over and over and over again, always with an enormous question mark floating brightly over my skull. <laughs> what, what, yeah, I knew who Don Rickles was. I knew who Jimmy Olsen was. I knew who Superman was. Uh, I didn't know who the Guardian was, but I, I, it was from context. It wasn't hard to figure out who this guy was. But I couldn't f- quite figure out how they all fit together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! You're the test case. I was the test case. Yeah, I, I've always wanted to know. I've always wanted to know what did actual young people reading that think about Don Rickles randomly appearing in Jimmy Olsen for no I, apparent reason. I, I, I didn't understand it. I could, I could hear Don Rickles' voice in the dialogue. I, uh, and I, I, I was amused. I, I, really wanted to, I really wanted the rest of the story, but as I mentioned, I got my comics with the covers stripped off, so I, uh, I didn't get to read the, the rest of the story until last year. Oh my God, that's amazing! Yeah. yeah. For listeners who are not as knowledgeable at the fourth world as they should be, Don Rickles, actual Don Rickles, is a character in Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, and like he has an alter ego called Goody Rickles, who's the good guy superhero, but he's not very good at it. Parallel of Don Rickles, and it's all very weird. Yeah, um, yeah, inexplicable. Um, again, though, yeah, like within the pages of those comic. Of, of those comics, it, it has its it, it has its own unshakable logic, and oh, okay, <laughs> from here to here, Don Rickles is the guy who runs around mm-hmm. with Superman. There it is, of course, it's clearly the case because they've yeah. all got they've all got the same brush line around them. It must be true. Yeah, um. <laughs> Look, Morgan Edge made it happen, yes. so therefore it happened. He's a powerful man, a powerful fictional man. I. Uh, I, I I haven't gotten to draw Morgan Edge yet. I, I don't know if he's still part of DC continuity or not. Um, oh. But I, uh, I I hope to, and, and I, 
uh, I don't know if I don't know if TV moguls still still squint through their smoke the way the way he did when Jack Kirby drew him, but I, I, by God, he will when I do. Um, That's going to be amazing. I hope we get to see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, I mean, I think speaking of TV moguls, I think one of the other big subtexts of the of the new series is class, social class. Yeah. That um, was not necessarily something I, I would have assumed would be in there. Like some some amount of media criticism, sure, because he's a journalist nominally, would like to be if he could make a living, etc. Um, and uh, and he does have that Pulitzer, right? But, yeah. Um, but I did not think about there being like social class as being a significant part of the story. But because you're telling about the history of Metropolis, of course, social class is. Uh. I almost don't know how you don't write about it at, th- at this point. It's mm-hmm. it, it, <laughs> it, it it's everywhere. It's it's part of every interaction that we have as people in America right now. Um, and yeah, you, it's it's a big thing to ignore. Uh, it's it's a big thing to leave out of comics. Um, and uh, it it it. it it just has to come up. Um, you know, it, mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I hesitate to speak too much about it because uh, that's it, it, uh, anything I put in there is, is subtext. But if, but when when Matt's telling that story, it, when Matt's making the, this, the, his choices as a writer, he's making he's making those those choices as text. Um, right. So yeah, so I, I'm, it's that's. Talking more about that is probably best left to Matt, um, <laughs> but it's 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 something I think about constantly. Um, and yeah, in in any city, uh, the, the 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 wild gap, the, the wild wealth gap is you'd, you'd have to be blind to not notice it. Um, uh, and if it's not if it's not coming out in some way in your pictures, uh, uh, I'm not sure what you're drawing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I I, like, I love Jimmy's interaction also with his landlord and um, window bats and you know and any any renter like we have been there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the that's. That apartment that Jimmy's in feels a lot like the places I've I lived in in Jersey. Um, oh yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, my my first uh, my first apartment in New Jersey that I shared with with three people uh, was was wildly under, wildly uh, under uh, out of code under code uh, not not up to code. There we yeah, go. Yeah, out of under. Yeah. Out of code. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, every, yeah, every wall had had some some small piece missing or something or something about to come down. Hmm. There was a um, there was an, electri- an electrical fixture in the bathroom that if if you were in bare feet on the wet floor and you touched it, you would be sent across the room. Um, you just take a shock anytime you anytime you touch the light switch. Um, the, the the bugs had figured out how to get into the 
into the the refrigerator, so things had to be oh, yeah bagged and then put inside Tupperware, uh, and and then sealed up again just to keep stuff keep insects off it while they were in the fridge, um, mm. and we and we lived like that for a while, and then um, one of my housemates found the lead on. Uh, a suburban wealthy person's summer home that was uh, available for rent uh, a couple of towns over. And uh, we, we were able to rent that place out for, uh, for for a number that we could afford because they couldn't rent it out for the year. They, 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 it was their summer home, so they, they would only rent it nine months a year. But of course, that coincided with uh, the time we were at school, so it actually worked for us. And so... In the blink of an eye, we went from this this physically dangerous place full of insects uh, to a wealthy man's summer home. Uh, <laughs> and at no point did you have window bats. No, no, no. Um, but, but yeah, the, the the wild contrast and like, why why do we have to live like this here? And we get to live like this here. It it, it was impossible to figure mm. out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what had changed about us that, that we got to have one rather than the other? And of course, the answer is nothing. It was just just a roll of the dice. Yeah, exactly. That really does say it all. Um, but I see that lived experience in in Jimmy's apartment. Oh boy! And um, and in the face of his landlord, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, he, he's. He, he's loosely based on a couple of people that that, that I had in my life and, and one one employer. Um, I had somebody suggest that, that he looked like Harvey Pekar, and I, I could see it, but it wasn't intentional. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, that's, that's about right. That's about <laughs> right. Um, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm pulling through your um, issue one right now again, and just... I. I, I love, I really do love this Clark. I love like exactly how much he's in the story and how much he's not. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I love his relationship with the viewer and I love how kind he looks, which is so important, right? Because that's, that's, if that's not there, then that's not, there's no point. <laughs> that's everything. Uh, uh, I think uh, uh, there's a drawing I see a lot of people do of Superman where they're drawing him like, um, uh, I think this was Jeff Parker's observation originally. They're, they're drawing him like like Al, uh, like Alan Moore and Gary Leach's Miracle Man, uh, where he's oh. this um, he, he, where he's this 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 cold godlike figure floating in front of people, kind of lording it over them that he can fly and they can't, um, and that's so that alien. Seems wildly off point. Yeah, it, yeah. That, that's so alien to. To, to who the character I think should be, which is uh, someone who who could be uh, just off off just off the page of of any Norman Rockwell painting. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, he, he should be aspirational in the best way. The, uh, <laughs> the 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 friendliest park ranger or Boy Scout troop leader. 
And what I, you know, I, I, I've always been someone who is interested in stories that aren't centering like the the, the character you assume would be the star. Do yeah. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. Having the the non-powered weirdo weirdness magnet as the lead is just to me. I'm like, well, yeah, that's like I'm totally on board for that. But I I love to hear more about why that appeals to you. Oh, it, it, um, number one, I. I love the juxtaposition of the mundane and the uh, and, and the sublime, or the or the um, the the larger than life, along with the the absolutely life size. Um, I, I think both of them are made more interesting in juxtaposition, um, uh, and it's it's a really fertile ground. It's a really fer- you know, f- fertile source of humor too. You could do you could get a lot of jokes out of that. Um, yeah. I, I I apologize. Anytime I actually talk about what makes something funny, I'm going to be the most boring person on earth. I you know, humor th- humor theory is always terrible, so I apologize in advance. Um, but yeah, but uh, tension is is and tension and conflict uh, is is where jokes come from. Uh, and there's 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 a lot of tension uh, and, and a lot of a lot of weird energy between uh, between something godlike and, and heroic and something absolutely ordinary and mundane. Um, and uh, a book like this, I get to do both. Um, and I uh, and, and I and I think we've all we've all had that experience at some some time or another, even if it's just the, the the strangeness of of going into uh, one of those banks that's been around since since 1900, and you know, the, it's got a 30 foot high ceiling and marble and carving and all sorts of and, and gilding everywhere, uh, and then you know it, 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 you're doing all your usual business and asking for a roll of quarters or whatever. Uh, we, we've all had that. We've all had that disconnect between uh, between the larger world and, and the, 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 the the crappy ordinary stuff we have to do with it. Hmm. Yeah, this is an illustration of that. That's true. Um, I, I I realized that you had not been on my show for three years. And that episode is available for you to listen to uh, at Graphic Policy Radio. It's entitled Steve Lieber Talks the Fix with Graphic Policy Radio. So go back and check it out. Three years. So hopefully we won't be uh, as long apart, but um, I, uh, I have so many thoughts about this. I don't know. And I don't have no idea if you're going to like believe in, buy into any of my generational theory. Or go for it. To like <laughs> comics art. But, um, but uh, it's so, it's so like, I, I, I'm always intrigued when I look at, work where I'm like, this person was not influenced by manga <laughs> and like the generational divide between. And then this is the period from which, of course, if you are making art starting at this particular time, manga was like part of what you're doing, even if you're not your own roots of things. So that's one of the reasons I have cracked up when you mentioned um, one of the Jimmy uh, Olsen reference images being like a manga styled artist's take on it. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, I know what that specific thing is. Um, but it, it feels like, you know, I don't see... I don't see stuff that looks like this that much anymore, and it makes me really sad. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm oddly suited to it because uh, at the point I came out of the Kubert School, 
you know, most of my teachers had been working since before World War II. Um, so yeah, I was trained in a, a great range of, of approaches and techniques that were state-of-the-art for the mid-50s. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I, so I have I have the visual vocabulary for, for you know for the, the, the those Jimmy Olden Jimmy Olsen golden years. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I yeah I I try to look at at contemporary comics as much as possible. Um, yeah, what I I think one of the the best funny comics out there um, is Giant Days. Uh, Comic from oh, it's very good. Yeah, oh, yeah, and I think I think, think that's glorious, and that uh, that would probably does a better job of putting a sitcom on paper than anything else I've seen in probably in in all of comics history. Frankly, and I can't think of anyone else who's who succeeded that wildly at it. Um, uh, well, that that particular uh, comedy. Um, comic getting an Eisner g- gives gives me hope that I, I I really do think you should be in the running for that for this year. So oh, that, that would knocking on wood. That would be that would be incredibly cool. Uh, I the the competition every year is brutal. There's so much co- cool stuff coming. Um, I and I do think the point you draw about like funny in reality versus funny in concept is a is an important one. Um, I think sometimes I'm a little humor is incredibly difficult, but we should hold our standard of humor to be like, did I laugh? You know? That's that's the the weirdest thing about it. Uh, I mean, like, how best how to phrase this without taking a shot at anybody? Um, with 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 just about any other genre, there's you know, whether it's successful, you know. Maybe maybe it's scary, maybe it isn't, but it's still interesting. Maybe it's exciting or not, but it's there's, there's, the story's still moving. But with a joke, it's binary. Either it lands or it doesn't. And and if if yeah. something's supposed to be funny and it isn't funny, it's physically painful to encounter. Um, the, uh, it, it, I, I I never expected when I when I started doing humor, just how much more time it can take to draw a, a picture with, with that, that's that much simpler. Um, you know, I, 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 as a, when I was doing melodrama, when I was doing thrillers or war comics or, or, uh, or dark adventure stories or whatever, um, I could really layer in my pictures. I could I could put a lot of work into each one and add more lighting and more depth and more cross hatching and um, and more textural interest, uh, all in the name of of making making that visual world more immersive and and working harder to sell the drama. Um, and if I tried to do that with any of my funny stuff, the jokes would just die on the vine. Um, and what I found instead is I just have to keep taking things away until until it's funny. Um, anything that doesn't make the joke better makes the joke actively worse. Um, and 
it, right. it was a, right. it's a hard lesson to learn, especially when you know it, it's you've been working on a page all day and it's two a.m. and you've got an appointment at, at eight a.m. the next day, but the, the pages are done and the jokes the pages are done until the joke lands is funny. So, got to got to sit there bleary eyed and and ask yourself: Is this a funny moment? Is it funny yet? God. Well, how do you test it? Do you have someone else look at it and see if they laugh? Like, that, how do you test? That, that is one of the advantages to being in the studio is that I I can occasionally studio, work. Yeah. yeah, I can workshop things, um, and that and, and often my studio mates will will contribute a gag or 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 lean in and suggest. Uh, it's funny if instead of drawing the whole picture, he's just a floating head or whatever like that. Um, I, I'm super lucky that I've been wor- that I've spent years working around some of the funniest people in comics. Uh, Benjamin Dewey of the Tragedy series was a big influence on all my stuff on Superior Foes. Uh, Jeff Parker, mm-hmm. who's hilarious, is always helpful with with stuff. Colleen Coover. Oh, I see that. Yeah, is is wicked, yes, wickedly definitely. funny. Uh, have you guys done work together? Parker and, and I? Yeah. Colleen? Oh, uh, me and Colleen. Uh, Parker? Oh, Parker and I, we did a, uh, a graphic novel called Underground uh, about two, uh, two park rangers trapped in a cave. It's a, kind of a claustrophobia thriller. Um, oh, that, Jesus. That sounds yeah. amazing. Oh, it was great. Um, but yeah, and you and Coover would be great, too. Yeah. So many uh, good team-ups. Yeah. Thank you for joining us again. And folks should be following your work um, online. Your Twitter account is again. Oh, Steve underscore Lieber. L-I-E-B-E-R. Yes. Thank you so much, Alana. This this has been a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. And when is issue two going to be on the stands? I think two weeks from today. Um, Third third week of the month. Or, um, Third week of, of I, I, August? Yeah, I think so. Okay, great. Third. Yeah. So folks, go get it. You're going to want to be on top of each of these and have the delicious and enjoyable covers of each one and, and your monthly comic pickup list. Extremely, extremely endorsed A++. So thanks again. And as we say on Graphic Policy, you can follow us on Spotify, SoundClouds, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, we're everywhere you want to be. And... Um, <laughs> And I will be at FlameCon. Hopefully, I will get this episode edited before FlameCon. Uh, but if, and you will get to come to my panel that Jay Edden and I are doing on fan activism. Oh, don't it's miss called that! Activists assemble. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Uh, he came in and joined my panel last year, sort of like a last minute because I was like, "Oh, you're here. I'm here. Can you jump in and talk about this thing you did?" And he said yes. And then this year, we're actually planning to do it together rather than me just hijacking him because I saw him at the conference. Um, oh. So. Uh, Folks should come and join us to, to uh, Activist Assemble at FlameCon. And um, as we like to say, keep it geeky.